Um, I'm not going to preach the same message, but here's what I'm going to do. We have to finish this bottom portion here, but I'm going to review some things and add some things. So don't, some things you'll say, well, he said some of that last week. I know, but we're going to add some things to it, and uh, hopefully it'll be a help uh, in this subject we're dealing with. I've entitled this, uh, I guess you call it a mini-series, uh, Equipping for Evangelism. And... Uh, you know, the Romans Road is great. You know, I'm not against using that as long as we're thorough with people, giving them the gospel. But uh, sometimes, many times, perhaps even most times, we need more than just the Romans Road. Because people have questions. They have things that are stumbling blocks that, they, that are in the way. They won't even listen to you until you address certain things. And so we have to be equipped to answer those questions to people if we're going to win them to the Lord. Right. Now remember the goal of this, uh, what we're going through here, is I, I'm trying to engage you and me into, in confronting folks uh, that have these beliefs. Uh, in other words, often we just say, well, I just, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to deal with them. And we hide or we don't, you know, we walk away and we don't engage them. But if we have the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ, we should want to win them to the Lord. Amen. Right. That should be the desire. And so we need some things that would help us to do that. And so all of us, if we don't want to deal with those folks, and there's something deeper wrong with our hearts than just knowing this, it's our heart and burn for souls that we all need to have. So Titus chapter 1, we're looking at verse 10 and 11, and we'll begin in verse 9. Notice we read, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. Let's stop there and we'll pray. Father, we thank you for this evening. It's a joy to be here tonight, to open up your word. It's been a joy to have prayer together. Lord, the things that are heavy on our hearts tonight, we've given them to thee. And I I pray tonight as we look at this subject, this cult that we're looking at tonight, that you'd please give us understanding. Help us, Lord. Equip us that we might win them to the Lord. We know that you love all men and you died for all men. That means you want all men to be saved. And I pray, Lord, you'd use us as instruments in the lives of all men, not just certain men, not just those we want to talk to, but for all men. Bless the message. Fill me with your spirit as I preach. May your word go forth with power tonight and clarity and give us understanding this evening. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One of the things that every believer is commanded to do is to not only know what we believe, and I hope you do know what you believe and why you believe it, but also to contend for what we believe. That is a subject known as polemics. There's apologetics and there's polemics. Polemics is the practice of engaging in theological controversy in order to refute error. And that's what we're to do. Uh, We see the Apostle Paul doing it. We see the Lord Jesus Christ doing it. I'll get to that here in a moment. But notice in our text, we are told in verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, 
that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Notice we are told that we are to, by sound doctrine, be able uh, to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Now, I understand that this passage, and you probably do as well, I'm sure, is speaking to pastors primarily. It's talking about the qualifications of a pastor there. But this principle is found throughout the Word of God for believers as well. Not just pastors, all of us are to contend for the faith. Read it in the book of Jude, verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So all of us, not just a pastor, everyone, every believer, every child of God ought to be contending for the faith. Now, what is a gainsayer? Notice he says in verse 9, we are to convince the gainsayers. That's someone who disputes against or contradicts or denies or somehow opposes the truth of God's Word. And you and I as believers, we should know the Bible well enough to not only not be moved from what we believe, but also to convince them of their error if they are open as well. Uh, That is uh, what Jesus Christ did in Matthew chapter 23. Uh, He contended for the faith with the Pharisees in in Matthew 23 and verse 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour houses, uh, widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the great, greater damnation. So notice he confronted these gainsayers with the truth of God's word. And I want to ask you tonight, can you and I do the same? When someone is opposing the Word of God or denying the Word of God or disputing or contradicting the Word of God, can you and I take the Word of God and convince them, yes, if they're open, convince them of their error? That's good. Amen. We should be able to do so. We should. And if we have the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ, we should want to. Now, one particular group that seems to be confusing us more than we're convincing them It's the Jehovah's Witnesses. That's what they're doing. They are confusing a lot of people, even God's people. I read something interesting. By the way, if you're a soul winner, we all should be a soul winner somewhere. You say, well, I don't go out on Saturdays. Maybe not. But we should be confronting people with the gospel. And if we are on a consistent basis, we will eventually run into a Jehovah's Witness. What are we going to do? We're going to run away from them, or we're going to try to win them to the Lord Jesus Christ, again, if they're open. I read something interesting as I was preparing for this message. It was a 2015 Pew Research study, and it said this. It said 90% of people who are Roman Catholic were raised that way and stayed that way. That means of all the Roman Catholics that are out there, 90% of them were raised that way. They grew up that way. And only 10% of them have been converted to Roman Catholicism from some other religion. But only 35% of Jehovah's Witnesses were born into a Jehovah's Witness family and stayed in it. The other 65% were converted to the Jehovah's Witnesses from other religions. They're excellent at conversion, if you will, 
because of our ignorance. Right. The same research uh, uh, study said this, 61% of evangelical Christians, and I'm not that, I'm an independent Baptist, uh, but we would probably in the mind of many fall into that. 61% grew up in that kind of home, an evangelical Christian home, and 39% were converted uh, from other religions to eva evangelical Christianity. My point is this, the Jehovah's Witnesses are doing a better job at converting than we are. The percentage is much higher. I thought this was interesting as well. Might as well read it. The number one group that has the highest conversion percentage from other religions today is the non-religious. In other words, the atheists and the agnostics. Uh, only 21% of them grew up in a non-religious, atheistic, or agnostic home. The other 79% were converted away from other religions. Boy, they're on the rampage, on the warpath to convert others. And I asked you tonight, why aren't we? Can we do it? Maybe that's why. We don't know how. Well, that's really what this is about, to try to help us. Now, uh, it ought to be that we can win them to the Lord if we know what they believe and what the Bible says. So last week, we began looking at this group, the Jehovah's Witnesses. And we, 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 I want to add some things here tonight. I'm going to go through and review a few things and add them as well. So if you need these blanks, we looked last week, number one, at this, the development of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, we learned that this group, the Jehovah's Witnesses, were started by a man named Charles Taze Russell. Interesting man he was. Some things to note about him. He was born in 1852. He died in 1916. He was born in Allegheny, Pennsylvania, which is, a, I think it's a part of Pittsburgh today. But, you know, when I think about the time he was born, 1852, and Joseph Smith, Jr., we'll look at a later date, was born in 1805, a little bit earlier. But it's interesting to note that the latter half of the 19th century, really the middle of it, produced so much apostasy in that century. Uh, that century produced the Mormons. It produced the Jehovah's Witnesses. It produced the Seventh-day Adventists. It produced Pentecostalism. And it also produced a huge wave of liberalism liberalism, which led uh, to the critical text coming out of Westcott and Hort. All of that happened in that century. Imagine that. Well, Jehovah's Witnesses did as well. And Russell's parents were Scottish-Irish. They were Presbyterians. He grew up in a Presbyterian home. He attended the Presbyterian church at one time. Then he went and attended the Congregational church at one time. And he was also heavily influenced by the Seventh-day Adventist teachings. Now, we're going to go over them, I think. The Lord seems to be pushing me in that direction. I've had a lot of questions about Seventh-day Adventists, and I just received a book this week in the mail uh, that was delivered, I assume, to all churches, and it was, a, it was an Ellen G. White book that they gave out uh, to everyone. And so I thought, well, maybe I should hit that, because some people have the idea, well, they're just Christians like us. They just worship on Saturday. We worship on Sunday. Not so. Amen. They're a cult just like the Jehovah's Witnesses. Well, Russell did not like the doctrines, two in particular, of predestination, and he didn't like the idea that, a, that God would send anyone to an eternal hell. He didn't like that at all. 
And he would end up uh, rejecting all of the major doctrines of Christianity. He'd reject the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, Russell did. He rejected the eternality of the soul. Talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, he rejected the literal second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he rejected salvation by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. At the age of 18, imagine that, in 1870, he decided uh, uh, to form his own Bible store, uh, study with six people, and he began denouncing all organized religion, and they, event they eventually, a few years after, elected him to be their pastor. Within 10 years, imagine the effect of this group. Within 10 years, by 1880, there were 30 congregations following his teachings. Now, in the early days, his followers were known by several different names. They were not known by the Jehovah's Witness name until much later. But they were known as Russellites because they followed the teaching of Charles, teachings of Charles Taze Russell. Uh, they were also called the Bible Student Movement. They were called the International Bible Students. And they were also called the Millennial Dawn People. And so that was the beginning of this organization. In 1879, after working for a, a, a publisher for a little bit, he also ran men's clothing stores. His father owned a bunch, and they had a lot of money. Uh, Russell decided to publish, of course, his first magazines. I mentioned this last week. And uh, the first one was uh, in 1879, which was the Watchtower. The, the full name is the Watchtower Announcing Jehovah's Kingdom. You've probably seen these little magazines in your door or somebody tried to hand one to you then afterwards he published a second magazine called awake and every month to this day every month the jehovah's witnesses publish literally millions of these in hundreds of languages and they send them around the entire world uh, then in 1884, Charles Taze Russell decided to write a series of books, a volume of books uh, entitled, it was actually six volumes, uh, entitled Studies in the Scriptures. Beware of those if you see them uh, at the Goodwill or somewhere, uh, because that would pique my interest if I saw them right on the side, Studies in the Scriptures. But that is something from the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, and uh, he wrote those, and he claimed about these writings, get this, that without those writings, the studies in the Scriptures, it is impossible, he said, I repeat, impossible for anyone to understand the Bible. He says you have to have his books and that you would be, anyone would be better off if they just read his writings alone and ignored the Bible. You say, how in the world could somebody say that? Well, because he claimed to be the seventh messenger from Revelation chapter 10 and verse 7. He said that was him. I'll read it to you since you're interested in that. Uh, and I've gotten the bug-eyed look from everybody. Uh, notice he said, uh, it, it says in Revelation 10, 7, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. He claimed that that was him. He, he also predicted, and they did this on several occasions, the Jehovah's Witnesses did, that Armageddon would occur, the end of the world would happen, by 1914. In uh, Russell's theology, 
He said this, he said, in 1799, the last days began, of course this constantly changed, in 1874, it was the start of Jesus' invisible presence on earth, in 1878, he said Jesus became king in heaven. And in 1914, he claimed would be the end of the world. Well, that didn't happen, obviously. In fact, it didn't end in 1914, and he was still living. Uh, he died in 1916. And uh, during his lifetime, though, this man was at it, propagating his beliefs. Uh, he traveled more than one million miles. He preached 30,000 times. He authored more than 50,000 pages of material. And uh, more than 20 million copies of his books and booklets were distributed. Uh, again, he died in 1916. Uh, uh, and his successor was a man by the name of Joseph Franklin Rutherford. Now, Rutherford would be president from 1916 until 1942. Uh, he, was a, he was a strange chap, uh, very zealous, and under him, the organization saw great growth. Uh, he also followed in the footsteps of Russell by attacking all organized religion. And he was the one that changed their name to the Jehovah's Witnesses. And he got that, he said, from Isaiah chapter 43 and verses 10 and 11, which actually refers, refers to Israel. Let's go ahead and go there and look at it. Uh, keep you awake a little bit tonight. <laughs> Isaiah chapter, not saying anything about anybody, I'm just saying. Isaiah 43, notice verse 10. And this would be, of course, they would say, this is us. Uh, they call themselves a faithful servants or slaves. But notice verse 10 and 11. He says, ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, uh, and, uh, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Amen. And so they would say, the Jehovah's Witnesses would say, that's me, that's us. We are his servants. Isaiah 43, verses 10 and 11. We know in the context it's talking about Israel. I say that Israel is their servant. And Rutherford was an alcoholic. Uh, he motivated his followers to witness boldly. And he did what uh, Russell did as well. Uh, time after time, he predicted again and again the end of the world was coming. By the way, that's what they did to people to get them to, told people to get them to join the Jehovah's Witnesses. Because time is short. It's the end of the world. Armageddon is coming. You need to be a part of our organization, the servant of God on earth. This way, you can enter into the paradise uh, uh, on earth. Uh, and that's what they did. That was their message. He too predicted the end of the world in 1918. Didn't happen. Pred uh, predicted it again in 1925. Didn't happen. Uh, even after his death, Jehovah's Witnesses would go on again and again to boldly proclaim the end of the world. They said it would happen in 1975. Didn't happen then. And then in 1989. Rutherford also did something interesting. He predicted also during his lifetime that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would be resurrected, he was telling everyone, in 1925. And what he did, he decided to use the organization's money to build a mansion in San Diego, California for Abraham and Isaac and Jacob so when they come, they could live there. 
And so they did. They built this huge mansion in San Diego, California, for them to live in. Uh, and and uh, while they were waiting, he just figured he would go ahead and live there himself. And so he did. So anyway, his chronology was this. He said in 1914, the last days began. He said in 1914 was the start of Jesus's invisible presence. Uh, and also Jesus became king in heaven. And again, he predicted the end of the world in 1925. Didn't happen. And in 1942, Joseph Rutherford died. Uh, third president, not going to go through them all, just this next one. The third president was a man by the name of Nathan Noor, K-N-O-R-R. He was the one from 1942 to 1977. What he did, he is noted for improving their training program. I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit. And under his leadership, all of the writings of the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, were published anonymous. If you find uh, uh, one of their books in uh, maybe a Goodwill or somewhere, you'll find and you'll see that there'll be no author's name. It'll just be published by the Watchtower. Uh, typically a very bland-looking cover as far as not a lot of writing, uh, uh, different colors and so forth. Uh, uh, but they're all published anonymous. Uh, and uh, he also, under his leadership, published the, uh, and I have a copy up here, the uh, New World Translation of the Bible. And so, again, he, they're still at it. They're still doing it, uh, uh, still proclaiming the lies that they proclaim. But what exactly do they believe? Number two, the doctrine of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, we talked about these things, but let me just throw a few things in there, uh, a little bit extra. Now, according to the Jehovah's Witness, they are the only true religion. All right, that's it. Everybody else is wrong. If you're going to get to paradise, uh, uh, then you have to join them. There is no other way but through their ways. Uh, and they claim that every Christian denomination, no matter what it is, is apostate. Uh, especially those, uh, uh, those preachers of, uh, uh, of Christianity. Now, a few of their doctrines, we looked at some. Let me add another one. The first one we looked at was Jesus Christ. Let me add this. Let's talk about God. What is their doctrine about God? Well, according to the Jehovah's Witness, they do believe, and this isn't on your sheet, this is extra, and so, no charge, by the way, that was free, that was free, all right, just maybe a few minutes of your time. Anyway, according to the Jehovah's Witnesses, there is only one God, that's what they say, but they say there is no trinity, okay, no trinity at all. In fact, they say that the doctrine of the trinity was invented, it originated with Satan, and is propagated by Satan's ministers, those that claim to be Christian preachers, and talk about the Trinity. They also say that God's only name is Jehovah. That's it. Uh, in fact, they would say that, go to Psalm chapter 83. This is why they say that, Psalm chapter 83. It's interesting how they twist Scripture around right. to fit their doctrine. That's, right. that's what they do all the time. Right. But here's what they say, Psalm 83 and verse 18. And notice we read, That men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the most high over all the earth. Now, if they're coming to your door, they're going to claim that God's name is only Jehovah, and there is no Trinity, they may take you to this verse. 
Well, notice this verse, what it says. It says, whose name alone is Jehovah. This doesn't mean that God's only name is Jehovah. It means that God alone is called Jehovah. Nobody else is, but he has many. In fact, he has probably hundreds of other names in the word of God. Jehovah Nisi and all kinds of things. Elohim and all all of that. Uh, His other names describe his attributes. Uh, And they would claim that man changed the Bible and removed Jehovah and was all over it and replaced it with other names. How would you argue against that? Well, it's real simple. Bible preservation. God preserved his word. Man did not change it. And so we know that, yes, there is one God. The Trinity is true. More about that later. But he's called by many names. They also teach that Jehovah God created Jesus. That he was the first creation, and then through and then Jesus created other things. And again, how would we answer some of these things? Well, we do understand, uh, as far as the Trinity, with God being that they're saying there's no Trinity, that the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but the truth of the Trinity is. It's all over the Bible. Uh, we, I'm not going to go there for time's sake, but we know 1 John 5, 7, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And we know Matthew 28, 19, John 14, 16, 2 Corinthians 13, 14, Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, and many other places that uh, the Trinity is in the Bible. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Amen. When Ananias and Sapphira sinned, uh, Peter, or they, they were told, they sinned against the Holy Ghost. They sinned against God, and they said the Holy Ghost is God as well. We also know that God is a plurality. Uh, notice, let's go to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, you know, Jehovah's Witness will ask, well, if Jesus himself was God, why did he address the Father as God? Well, he addressed the Father as God for the same reason that the Father addressed the Son as God, because they're both God. That's why. And so, yes, he's going to call him God. But notice, uh, we read, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The Hebrew word there is a plural word. It's a plurality of for God. And, and then notice uh, uh, in, in chapter 1, in verse 26, and God said, let us... Not me. Let us make man in our image. Uh, there it is, the plurality of God. And we also know uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4, the Lord our God is one God. Yes, so he's one God manifested in three persons, okay? And so, yes, the Bible does teach one God, but God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, there is a trinity, and Jesus is God. And then, letter, and then the next thing we talked about, and that, this one's on your sheet, and that is Jesus Christ. A couple things to add. According to the Jehovah's Witness, uh, Jesus Christ is not God. Okay, they're going to come to you and they will say that he was created by Jehovah, but he's not God Almighty. Okay, they say that Jesus was, and I mentioned this part last week, Jesus was Michael the archangel before he came to earth became Jesus, and then turned back into Michael the archangel after he rose from the dead. They would say that Jesus was a perfect man, but not God. Well, we know that violates the sin nature of man. If he was 100% man, he'd be a sinner, we understand. Uh, They say also that he died on a stake 
and not on, not, not a stake you eat, uh, like a pole. Okay. A stake and not a cross. They say that he had no physical resurrection body, but only appeared to have a body. And they say that he invisibly returned to earth in 1914, and he established his kingdom in heaven then. Okay, so those are some of the teachings they have about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we looked at some ways to refute that. Of course, the best place to go, uh, there's many. Well, we could go to John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of man. Uh, Verse 14, and the Word which was God, is God, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. All right, so that's about Jesus Christ. Then also, and I'm adding some things here, uh, the Holy Spirit. I want you to know this as well. According to Jehovah's Witnesses, the Holy Spirit is not a person. The Holy Spirit, to the Jehovah's Witness, is a force, some kind of force, kind of like electricity. Okay, that's what they say. Okay, so that, that's basically, and what they did when they, and, I, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but when they uh, put out this New World Translation, they went through it, and they changed all of the capital S's for spirit, for deity of the Holy Spirit, to a small s, where they changed the wording in it so that the, the Holy Spirit would not be part of the Trinity. We're going to look at a few of these here in a little bit. Real quick, uh, next thing, salvation. Talk about that. That's your letter C here. Remember, according to the Jehovah's Witness, you say, what are they, what are they? I, I've asked this when they've come to my door, because they just kind of go on and on about things, and sometimes, I, one time at least, I've asked them, what are you here for? What, is, what are you trying to say? Like, what is your message here? What, what are you trying to tell me? You know, and they, they don't really say anything. They're just trying to confuse you. But really what they're trying to do, they're trying to get you to join them. That's what they want. Now, according to Jehovah's Witness theology, every human being has uh, one of three possible destinations when they die. All right. The first, if you're part of the anointed, talked about this part last week, the 144,000, they say, which are the the anointed class, uh, uh, they will be in heaven. Well, that's already taken, so... All those that are living today, you don't have a chance for that. So when you come to them and say, would you like to know how you, you know, you're going to go to heaven when you die? They'll be, oh, no, 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 no. No, nobody goes to heaven. You know, that's already taken up there. That's what they believe, okay? The other class is what's called uh, the rest of the faithful Jehovah's Witnesses, which they refer to as either the great crowd or the other sheep. They say that that crowd, if, they're, if you're a faithful Jehovah's Witness, you will live forever on a paradise earth. That's what they say. Now, according to my Bible, the earth is going to be burnt up. Amen. Second Peter tells us it's going to be destroyed Amen. by fire. It's going to be gone. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. The curse of sin will be gone. They don't teach that. Then there's the rest of the people who are not members of the Watchtower organization. Uh, they will be destroyed by Jehovah God and cease to exist. They call it annihilation. They don't believe in an eternal punishment. 
Now, how do I, what do I have to do if I were, if I, I don't, by the way, but what if what I have to do if I wanted to get to this paradise? Well, they would say, here's some things you have to do. Works to them are necessary in order to get to the paradise. You say, what kind of works? Well, one, you have to be a faithful member of the Jehovah's Witnesses. You have to join them. You have to be a part of them. Number two, you have to go door-to-door witnessing. That's a part of getting into paradise. Every Jehovah's Witness is expected to go witnessing at least once a week, and they have to turn in a report every week. Individual witnesses are called publishers. That's what they call themselves. And they spend an average, at least they're supposed to if they want to get into paradise, uh, they spend an average of four hours per week going door to door. And so it's primarily a part of getting to this paradise is following all the rules that they set down. I'm going to get to those here in a little bit. They believe that you can lose your salvation as well if you apostatize from the Jehovah's Witness and you become to believe something else or you just stop going, then you lose a being part of that great crowd or other sheep and you become of the rest of those that will be annihilated. Uh, other peculiar beliefs they have have is that they reject vaccinations, they reject organ transplants, they reject blood transfusions, uh, they don't allow their members any involvement in political causes, they don't allow their members to be a part of the armed forces, to serve in the armed forces, they reject celebrating birthdays, celebrating Christmas, celebrating Easter, celebrating Mother's Day, uh, Father's Day, and they reject saluting the flag. Uh, those that become apostate and leave the Jehovah's Witnesses, they are told and should shun them. Uh, they cannot talk to them, they cannot look at them, kind of like an Amish shunning, if you will. They are also forbidden, they're supposed to be, although I've had some of them take literature from me, they are forbidden to read anti-non-watchtower literature. Okay, So these are the doctrines that they propagate. You have to do all those things in order to make it to the paradise. All right, so let's get into this last thing here called the deception of the Jehovah's Witnesses. So what are some, why, are they, why are they so difficult at times to deal with? Well, because they're very deceptive. They're very deceptive. Um, what are some of the deceptive tactics they use? I'm going to add a few more to these, okay? So, but we'll look at those. Number one is this. They do not immediately identify themselves. Right. Now, I think I'm going to talk a little bit more about this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, one of the things that, that they have, and, and I'll say this again a little bit later. One of the things that they are excellent at doing is training their people. They, they're very excellent. Matter of fact, in uh, about 1985, they came out with this little book, this brown book. Now, I read somewhere they stopped using it, but I just went online to check today, and they still use this book. It's called Reasoning from the Scriptures. There was a time when I was in uh, Landmark Baptist Church that uh, Dr. Schindler, I was on staff there, I was on the college staff, and uh, he had asked me to go visit somebody, this, this couple, and he knew it. He said, they're Jehovah's Witnesses. And he said, I want you to go. And he sent me there by myself, okay? So no big deal. I went there. Why, little did I know was they invited me in. And at that, he told me there was an appointment and all that. Well, little did I know was they invited me in. And just about five minutes after I got there, maybe even two minutes, 
Here comes another couple of Jehovah's Witnesses. They were going to gang up on me. And they did. And so the, the one lady, was a new, she was a newbie. And I saw this little book in her hand. And the whole time she's, she's you know, we're talking. She's, she's doing this, you know. But this is a book that they use to train their people, okay. I mean, it goes, let me give you an example. It starts out with introducing yourself. How to use reasoning from the scriptures. And how to introduce yourself when you come up to someone. By the way, they're, 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 they, they never tell you to, don't say, they, they never say identify yourself. Don't do that. Don't say you're a Jehovah's Witnesses. So, witness. So they have all kinds of subjects that you can open up a conversation with. Pages of it. For example, I'll just, I just read a couple. Hello, I'm making just a brief call to share an important message with you. Please note what it says here in the Bible. Read scripture here. Revelation 21, 3 and 4. Okay. What do you think about that? Does it sound good to you? That's how, that's how they start. Okay, hello. We're talking with folks about the matter of personal safety. There's a lot of crime around us, and it affects our lives. Do you think the time will come when people like you and me will be able to walk the streets at night and feel safe? <laughs> Get off my porch. No, 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 I wouldn't say that. <laughs> Current events. Good evening. My name is fill in the blank. I'm a neighbor from... Name, name the area. Did you see the TV news last night? That report on mention some current item of concern. What do you think about it? It's not unusual to hear people ask, what is this world coming to? We as Jehovah's, oh wow, they said it. We as Jehovah's Witnesses believe that we're living in what the Bible calls the last days. And so my point is this. They have all kinds of openers here. I mean, page after page. Then the next one is conversation stoppers. In other words, what do you do when someone tries to stop the conversation? Hmm, let's see. Here's one. What if they say, I'm not interested? How many soul winners ever heard that? Okay. Well, here's what you say. No, 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 don't say that. No. Oh, there's all kinds of options. There's about ten of them. If you mean that you're not interested in another religion, I can understand that. But more than likely, you are interested in what kind of future we can expect. In view, boy, I wonder if they have to memorize this stuff. That's a lot to say. Uh, but this whole thing, my point is they go, again, uh, I'm not interested in religion. Here's how you answer that one. Uh, I'm not interested in Jehovah's Witnesses. Here's how you, there's no doubt you have your own religion. Do you mind me asking which one it is? I have my own religion. We are already Christians here. How about this? I'm busy. Got an answer for that one, too. Then I'll be very brief. I call to share just one important thought with you and then state the gist of your topic for discussion in about two sentences. My point is this. Boy, they train people. They train their people. I mean, every, every possible scenario, when someone says, I'm a Hindu, when someone says, I'm a Jew, when someone says, I'm a, um, I'm a Muslim, here's subjects about abortion, Adam and Eve, all that. I mean, the book, the, the whole thing is filled with it. And, and that's what, this is what they use. They're trained very well. But when they come to your door, understand, they're not going to say, hi, I'm a JW. They're going to ask you about some sort of current event, something that's going on, maybe give you their name. And the first thing you should say, I always say, are you a Jehovah's Witness? Well, yes, I am. I'm going to cut to the chase here. So again, so they do not identify themselves. Number two, they always put a strong emphasis on eschatology and prophecy. Okay? Watch this. What they're trying to do, they're trying to scare people with the end of the world. 
Now, that's not hard to do these days. People are scared already. Lost people. We shouldn't be. But they are. I mean, they, they, they're, 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 I'm adding to some of these. So if it's not on there, just, just write it down. But that's what they try to do. They try to say the end of the world is, is coming and so forth. So, so that, they're very deceptive that way because they're trying to put fear in people so they will listen to them. All right, number th- or letter C uh, is this. They also jump around in the Bible not addressing questions that they can't answer. Right, amen. Okay, if you come to them, they, they say, Jesus was a man. And you say, in the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Amen. Well, they're not going to address that. Right. They're going to change the subject and say, exactly. well, what about Jesus, how he prayed to God? If he was God, why would he pray to himself? They just left this verse right. and left you hanging right. because you said, well, what does that mean? Let's go back here. Keep them on target, on topic. Don't let them jump away. They're trying to prove their points by jumping away. So, so be careful of that. They're going to jump, 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 and, and stick to the topic. Amen. All right, number four, letter D. They also use the allegorical method of interpreting the Bible right. instead of what we use, the grammatical historical Amen. method. You say, what in the world is that? Take hermeneutics. No, you don't take hermeneutics. Grammatical historical basically says the Bible says what it says. We take it literally unless there's grounds to not take it literally, where it's obviously a metaphor. When Jesus said, I am the door, obviously he's not saying he was a door, okay? We could say it doesn't make sense literally, therefore it is a metaphor. So now we can jump to, yes, it's a figure of speech. But they jump to it as being a figure of speech whenever it fits their, do- so it fits their doctrine. They change definitions of words. The word hell is a place of eternal torment. That's what the word means. They say, oh no, it's the grave. It just merely means death. That's what it means. And so be careful with that. They're going to start changing uh, definitions and allegorizing the scriptures. Uh, And then uh, uh, I got another one. It's not on here. You can write this. They claim that their, quote, Bible is merely an updated version in modern language. Okay? They will, as soon as they possibly can, if you're taking their bait, will get this into your hand. The New World Translation. And they say, it's just updated English. It's easier to read. That's all it is. That's a lie. Right. Amen. That's a bold-faced lie. Amen. Right. I had one time, I had, a, I had someone say, one of the Jehovah's Witnesses at my door, and said, it's just, it, it's, it says the same thing. It's, it's just updated language. I said, no, it's not. Amen. I said, open John 1.1. And so they did. They opened John 1.1. And I said, I will read what, what the King James Bible says, and, uh, and you read what the New World Translation says. And I said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Amen. Word was with God, and the Word was God. The they said, in the beginning was the Word. I'm sorry. In the beginning the Word was, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. A small g God. And I said, see? Amen. It's different. Right. And the, that person said, no, it's not. <laughs> Guess what I said? Goodbye. Goodbye. Amen. 
I did. I said, goodbye. You can't reason with somebody like that. It's blue. No, it's red. No, it's blue. No, it's red. Just bye. See, there's no, there's no point. That person's not ready to receive truth. I mean, really, you're going to deny that that's not different? It's absolutely different. So see you later because it's just a waste of time if they're, God's not working in their heart. And so understand that they used to, again, I said this before, and so uh, they, they, they first published the King James Bible. That's what all that they published. This is a, a Watchtower published King James Bible. Uh, here it is. Publishers, Watchtower Bible and Tract. And that's all that they use. But the problem is there were too many problems. Because they're saying one thing, the Bible's saying another thing. And so what they did at first before they came out with this beauty is they changed to the American Standard Version, which is a which waters down, modern version, waters down the deity of Christ. But they still had problems, and so they published their own perversion, the New World Translation, between 1950 and 1960, came out in stages and the full, bi full whatever you call this thing, in 1961. One person quoted saying this, it is a biased translation that smuggles in the peculiar doctrines of the Jehovah's Witnesses. And that's what it does. Right. What it does, it removed and changed any reference to the deity of Christ, took it out. It removed and changed any reference to the Trinity or the deity of the Holy Spirit. It changed things, violated the Greek, the plain Greek that's obvious, so that their doctrine would be found in this thing. It's not a Bible. Amen. Right. It's a perversion. That's right. Let me give you some quick examples, and we'll be done here in a minute here, of some changes. I showed you John 1.1. 1, 1. Turn to John 8.58, and I'll just go ahead and read you. I have them written down here, so I have to flip through that, that thing. Call it a thing. Yeah, I did. <laughs> John 8.58. Okay, I'll read you what the, what the Watchtower New World Translation says, and you just follow it with your eyes. Well, I'll just read first. Jesus, this is King James. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Amen. Everybody knows the Bible knows that's talking about Jesus saying what he said to Moses right. at the burning bush. Right. I am that I am. He is Amen. the I am. Jehovah's Witness, here it is, quote, Jesus said to them, Most truly I say to you, before Abraham came into existence, I have been. Okay. Right. Genesis 1.1. Let's go there. Amen. Genesis 1.1 1, 1 and 2, I think it is as well. Yeah, 1.1 1, 1 and 2. Oh, I'm sorry, 1.2. King James, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God, capital S, Amen. capital G, right. moved upon the face of the waters. Right. Watchtower, New World Translation. Now the earth was formless and desolate, and there was darkness upon the surface of the watery deep. And God's active force was moving about over the surface of the waters. What? What? What is that about? Go to John 14, 10. Let's look at a couple more. Amen. Listen, we could spend, this is kind of like what we did with the modern Bible versions, right? right? But this is worse. I don't know. They're just as bad, I guess. John 14, 10. 
in the King James Bible. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Amen. All right, here's a New World Translation. Do you not believe that I am in union with the Father, and the Father is in union with me? The things I say to you, I do not speak of my own originality, but the Father who remains in union with me is doing his works. What? Go to Colossians 2.9. Let's do this one more and we'll be done. Colossians 2.9. Oops, sorry, going the wrong way. Colossians 2.9. Simple. For in him, Jesus, right, Amen. dwelleth, this is King James, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The New World Translation. Because it is in him that all the fullness of the divine quality dwells bodily. What? So how do you deal with that? Well, I would say this. Say, look, if we're going to have a discussion... We need to agree where the Bible is, first of all. Amen. And it's the King James Bible. Now, you used to publish it, so why don't we just stick to that, and we'll have a discussion on the King James Bible. So that's a good way to handle them, because when you stick to the King James Bible, you'll, 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 uh, you'll be just fine and be able to deal with them. You see, their goal, here it is, their, their goal is either to confuse you or to convert you. That's what it is. And so we need to be equipped now, from their own website, here's what they said. Quote, we follow the teachings and example of Jesus Christ and, and, and uh, oh, I, I typed something wrong here, and have him as our Savior, uh, believe him to be our Savior and the Son of God. Thus we are Christians. My point is this. They call themselves Christians. They say that they believe that Jesus is the Savior. Right. And they say that Je they believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But they've taken those phrases and they've redefined them. So when you talk to them, define the terms. Amen. We believe that Jesus is our Savior. What do you mean by that? Exactly. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Do you mean that he's God in the flesh? Amen. Uh, you have to ask, the, and they say they're Christians. You see, my, my point is this. We have to know these things if we're going to win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we should want to win them to Christ. Amen. Again, there's right. going to be times you're just going to say, and most of the time with them, with me, I've had to just cut it off and say, this, this is fruitless because they're, they're not interested in the truth. They're just interested in trying to win an argument right. because they got their little book memorized and they know how to answer things and that's all they're doing here. They're not looking at the words of Scripture. Right. Right. But our goal should be to give them the gospel, to win Amen. them to the Lord, see if they are truly open to the right. truth, right. And then win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. And if they're not open, do what I do. Well, you, you do what you want to do. But I just say, I'll see you later. There's no point talking. But they are souls that Jesus Christ Praise died for. And we should be concerned. Not afraid Amen. of them. Right. Not, I don't want to talk to them. Let's address it like we would any other lost person. Right. Try to win them to the Lord and know when to move forward and when to say, you know what, this is pointless. Right. But God loves them just as much as he loves me and you. Amen. Amen.